0: Well, he is risen. He is risen indeed. Said he is risen. He is risen indeed. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. He is risen indeed. And the reason I start off that way is because every Sunday when we gather together and every day in our Christian life, we we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Easter wasn't just last week. Easter is every day. And every Lord's Day we gather together uh, in unison, on one accord, uh, by the power of his spirit to, to worship, to learn about a resurrected Savior. And also today in our text, we see that Jesus um, is, is, is post his resurrection, post his death, in a text that is known as the Great Commission. After Jesus was raised from the dead, uh, he came and he appeared to his disciples. The Bible says that he taught them, he spent time with them for 40 days teaching them how all of Scripture, all of the Old Testament uh, appointed to him, revealed him. And just before he left, one of the last times that his disciples um, had together with him, he uh, dropped on them this great commission, this great vision of who the church is and who the church uh, is to be and what they are to do. And that's what we're going to look at today, this classic passage This beautiful passage uh, that Matthew left behind for us. And it's important for us to understand that from this passage is where every church in essence should get their mission from. From this passage is what every local gathering uh, should see as their call uh, to to live out their their faith. So it's an important passage. And even as we talk about our sojourn and that wonderful video that I've now watched some 15 times and and enjoy every single time as if it's the first time. uh, We want to say that the, the things that we have come up with and the way that the Lord has allowed this church to move for the last 18 years or so. It's not something that is man-made or man-contrived. Uh, this is spirit-led, and it's spirit-led because it comes directly from the Bible, from the text. So for the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about our sojourn. We're going to be talking about Sojourn Community Church, and that means uh, kind of from two angles. One is as a collective, as a whole. As the video said, there are four churches in Kentuckiana, but there is one sojourn. We come together. Um, as these four churches to reach Kentuckiana for Christ. But second, we, and even more particularly, we want to talk about Sojourn Midtown and who we are as a church and what we value. So today we're going to dive into um, the meats and potatoes of, of who the church is, what we are called to do. In the next three weeks, we're going to talk about our particular values as a church, the things as a church that we are willing to die for the things that that make us specifically in this context as as these people who we are. So I'm excited to go on that journey with you, and I pray that you will be around to hear more and to learn more. So I want to dive right into the text today. We want to look at uh, just the the church, the mission of the church, and want to break it up into kind of three movements. The first thing we want to look at is the people that God uses, the the people that God uses. Uses And we see in verse 16, it says, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. Now, notice that it's 11. Uh, there were 12 core disciples. Uh, they, these disciples are, are limping. Uh, these disciples are hurting. Uh, one of their brothers, one of the men that they have spent the last three and a half years with, has just killed himself. He's committed suicide. And the reason that he killed himself was over his grief and over his guilt because of what he did to Jesus and with Jesus. He betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. And the Bible says that he went and he hung himself, the tree couldn't hold him, and he dies and falls into a violent death. So imagine being these 11 disciples who were with Jesus throughout his ministry. Jesus is crucified. They run and they go in hiding as he is betrayed by one of the ones he loves the most. And it's 11 of them. 11 is not a strong number. 12 is a strong number. 12 tribes of Israel, that's a strong number. 12 disciples, that's a strong number, but not 11. And the Bible says that they went to Galilee, a familiar place where Jesus did much of his ministry. And they go to a mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And throughout the book of Matthew, Whenever there's a, a big speech that Jesus is giving, the writer always brings up that detail that Jesus was on a mountain. It's as if Jesus is the new Moses for the people of God, and, and he is speaking to his people as Moses spoke to the Israelites. But then we read in verse 17, and when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. This has become one of the most intriguing verses in the Bible to me. And also one of the most hope-filled verses in the Bible. You have these 11 disciples who have now spent time with Jesus post his death, the resurrected Christ. They come to Galilee, to this mountain, following the instructions of the women who came to Jesus' tomb to take care of his body. The resurrected Jesus says, tell my bros, tell my fam, tell them to meet me back in Galilee. They come limping, scared, and afraid. And the Bible says they see him and they begin to worship him. They begin to ascribe supreme worth to him. They begin to be overwhelmed with this beautiful picture of their resurrected Savior. That's interesting in itself. And Matthew says that they worshiped him. I mean, Jews are monotheistic. They only worship the one true living God, and yet it says that they worshiped him. And the reason they worshiped him is because Jesus is God. Several years back, I was at a cafe eating, and a man came up to me who was a Middle Eastern and who was a Muslim. And as uh, we, I was sitting there eating, he sat right beside me and he just began to weep and to cry. And I began to think, I'm not sure what's happening, but I'm just gonna roll with it. So I just rolled with it, and we began to talk, and he just had a a, a huge life change that just kind of broke his heart. And I began to uh, listen, and then I saw it as an opportunity to share the gospel. He was attentive, he was with me, and then he said, but Jesus is not God. Nowhere in the scriptures does the scripture say, in the gospels does Jesus say that he's God. And I had the privilege of showing them text after text where Jesus was worshipped. And I said, aren't the Jewish people uh, 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 like uh, uh, Muslims and that they're monotheistic? He said, yes. I said, the reason that they are worshipping Jesus is because he is God in the flesh. He is God incarnate. And I got to share this beautiful gospel with them. Now, he didn't believe. But we see in this text that they are worshipping Jesus because Jesus is God, but even as they worship him, it says, but some doubted. Some of the 11 disciples, though he is in front of them, they still have doubt in their heart. I don't know what that doubt was. It could have been a doubt about what they knew Jesus was going to tell them. It could have been a doubt that, that maybe this is somehow some, some hallucination or some trick that he's playing on them. I don't know what their doubts was, but as they worshiped him, they did not have a complete or perfect faith. And the reason that this is encouraging is because this is the people that God uses. God uses people who come to Jesus and worship, but who have imperfect faith. And this is a story of Sojourn, a story of a group of young adults Many of them who felt disfranchised in traditional churches, who felt like church wasn't a place where they can be real and experience all the emotions of the Christian life some who had come from a church that had just been divided, and they gathered around a, a worn-out youth pastor who accepted them just as they were when the church was rejecting them. And they began to meet on Barstown Road in this in this in this small apartment, just, just opening the scripture and all of their brokenness with all of their doubts. And they began to say, Lord, we just want to see you move amongst the broken, amongst those who are lamenting. We want to see our faith lived out in a way and misfits, and people who are ordinary and who don't fit in can be impacted by. And that may be you today. Perhaps you came here this morning limping, limping because of life's circumstances, limping because of Satan's voice, limping because of your own inconsistencies. Lipping because of your past that seems to be creeping up. Lipping because you don't feel like you measure up. Here's the encouragement to you today is that Jesus is not here to scathe you. And he's not going to disown you. I love in this text how they came and they worshiped him and they had doubt in his heart. And Jesus did not stop it and say, hold on, why y'all doubt? All right, I need uh, everyone who's doubting to stand over here and I need y'all to do uh, five suicides. And after you come back and do the suicides, I'm I'm just going to slap you. And then you go back home and you think about your life. Rethink your life. Like, just rethink it. Thumbs off. No, that's not what Jesus does here. Jesus uses those who are tired yet elated. Those who are broken yet imperfectly whole. The second thing we see in this text is the plan that God entrusts to us. So, these Disciples who are, are hurting, who are grieving, who have just had a, a crazy turn of events. I mean, following Jesus in their culture was hard enough as they shared the, this good news with their own people who, who were often rejected and even persecuted, but now they have someone who they love who has died, so they have all these mixed emotions in this war that's going on between them, which is the normal Christian life, which is what the Christian life looks like. Then Jesus says these words to them in their doubt and their brokenness to reassure them all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. (laughs) He says, I have the whole world in my hand. He stands up as the commanding officer and says, I'm in control, (laughs) the resurrected one. No reason to doubt, no reason to fear. And that's what a Christian is. We're, We're people who are doubting, but by the grace of God, as we see Jesus more and more we learn to doubt our doubts. We learn to trust Jesus more and doubt our doubts. And even when we don't doubt our doubts and we have those very real doubts, we know where to take them. We take them before to resurrect the resurrected Savior. And Jesus here says, All authority in heaven and earth is given to me. And then he gives this plan. And the first part of the plan is to reach people with the gospel. What is the gospel? This, this gospel message is a message that God invaded the world as a human being. He sent his own son because mankind was separated from him. Because we chose to go our own way. Instead of love him, we chose to to love ourselves in things that could not satisfy us. But God is is love and he pursues his creation through his son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus lives a, a perfect life and he absorbs all of God's wrath towards those who would put their faith and trust in him. And he dies the death that we deserve and he defeated death by resurrecting himself. So that we can have forgiveness and reconciliation. So that we can have a good life, an abundant life, and have our hearts reoriented to love God as opposed to loving things that cannot satisfy us. The Bible says here that this Jesus, who is the good news, begins to speak to his disciples and his people. And he says, go therefore and make disciples. Let's deal with that. Go therefore Literally, move out. M- move out. In light of seeing me, I am giving you a call, and that is to, to move out. It's the call that Abram received when he was pagan and he had an encounter with God to move out. It's the call that Moses received in all of his weakness and fear in the desert, move out. God is a missionary God, and he has called us to be his missionaries. And what are we to go and do to, to make disciples? Now, this is a relational term. This is less of an altar call and more of a living room setting. A disciple is an apprentice. A disciple is a a lifelong learner. And the Bible says that he tells his disciples to go and uh, to make other disciples. Now, Jesus spent three and a half years with these disciples, and they still have doubt. They still have fears. And that's what discipleship is, it's relational. A disciple is a person who comes to Jesus loving one thing, but in the process of spending time with him, is transformed and who goes on a journey to love God with all their heart, soul, and mind. The heart of discipleship and making disciples is to help people to reorient their heart towards loving God and loving people. That's what a disciple is. And he says, go, help people to love me. Help people to, to follow me with their head, with their heart, and to give their hands to me. When Jesus came to the original 12, to a group of them one day, he says, follow me, and I will make you disciples, a fisher of men. That's discipleship. Follow me. It's a decision that you make with your, with your mind, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And I will make you. I will transform you. Discipleship is about transformation. Disciple uh, Fisher of man is teaching us to go and to get other, other men. So we see that discipleship takes time. It's a, 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 a crockpot type uh, adventure, not a microwave. And the only way we make disciples is by moving out of our comfort zones, moving out of our, our bubbles as we trust Jesus to make other people, uh, to introduce them to other people who do not know them. And that's our, our goal here at Sojourn. With all four churches, it is to reach people with the gospel. That's the first part of our mission trip. If you look at the back of your bulletins, uh, you'll see at the very bottom of these three points because this is the mission of our church, and this has been the mission of our church uh, for a very long time. Our mission has not Change. We are dedicated as four churches to reach Kentuckiana with the gospel. And by God's grace, God has allowed us to experience his blessing in doing so. Uh, we have not only four churches in Kentuckiana, we have uh, been able to partner with and influence uh, uh, about 40, over 40 churches in 21 other states. That's a part of what's called the Sojourn Network. Tomorrow I get to spend time with uh, 11 uh, uh, pastors or future pastors who are all planning churches in various places in the United States. They're coming to Louisville and some of your your pastors here and other pastors are coming in from around the Midwest to sit with them and to talk to them about uh, uh, what it means to be a a, a pastor and and to hear their vision. And that's what we're about as a church. And it's not just here for Kentuckiana, it's for everywhere else. Now, notice what it says Is that not only are you to go and to to make disciples, but he goes on to say, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. A huge part of discipleship is both teaching and we see baptizing, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's our second portion of our mission statement, is to build them up as the church, to build them up as the church. And we build up as the church by teaching. Now, there's two aspects of teaching. The first aspect of teaching is is just that. It's verbally communicating uh, the gospel message and all that Jesus has said. And the second part of that is some things are, we say, taught, and the other, other things are caught. It's by inviting people into our lives where they can walk with us and see how we do life. It's opening up our home to have meals with people. And it's not necessarily cleaning the house from top to bottom. It's letting them see real life, (laughs) walking uh, with them through uh, 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 the things that we are experiencing with our life. And that's one of the things I love about sojourn is sojourn is a place, uh, because of of the convictions that the church started and the the convictions that we've kept, where we can be weak. In fact, amongst our pastors, amongst our leaders, we're always talking about leading with our, our weak foot forward. And we want that to be our culture, a culture where people see that the gospel is for those who are sincerely uh, worshiping Jesus and who want to sincerely worship Jesus, but those who still have doubts, those who recognize that we live in a Genesis 3 world where things are constantly falling apart. So we want to build people up as the church by teaching them, now listen to this, to observe everything that I have commanded, everything that I have commanded. So we preach a big gospel, a beautiful gospel of grace that says God's salvation is unearned and unmerited, that no one can work their way up to God, that salvation is God coming to us, setting his affection on us, drawing us to him through his love. But we also understand that there in the scripture is not a real, it should not be a tension between grace and obedience. They're not separate things. That while we preach a big gospel of grace, we understand that this grace, the same grace that we preach is the grace that empowers us to obey. And that being a disciple of Jesus is being committed to learn to love him. And Jesus says, "Uh, uh, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. So as we're learning to love him, we are growing in obedience to him. In fact, Paul puts it this way as he's writing to his disciple Titus. He says, it is the grace of God that trains you to say no to ungodliness. And this is what it means to be a sojourner, to be on a journey with God. It's like the disciples were to, to walk with Jesus in a relationship, not with religion. And as we see his beauty and his, his goodness, his, his, his mercy and the peace that he gives us and what he did for us uh, at the cross, we actually, we, we pursue and we grow in obedience. We don't see obedience as something that's anti-gospel. In fact, all throughout this text is commands. Go. Literally, move out. Move out. Make. It's a command, it's imperative, make disciples. Teach, teach them to obey all that I command, to take my word serious, to take the things that I've said serious. And that's what we want to be as a church. Frederick Bruner wrote, obedience to the will of God is the way to the knowledge of God. Obedience to the will of God is the way to the knowledge of God. As we seek to obey God, we, we learn and we know his heart more and more. And he reveals through his spirit himself to us. And we begin to learn his love for us, and his love begins to motivate our actions. And even as we fall, we see that this loving God calls us to himself not to scathe us, but to empower us and to love us even more. The last part of this mission tr- statement is send them out to the world, is make disciples of all nations, of all nations. This is the church's call. To make fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ, learners of Jesus Christ, and to do so indiscriminately. Now, listen, these are mostly, these are actually all Jewish men who are gathered on this mountain, and they receive this call to take the gospel to all ethnic, all ethnic groups, people groups. This is a big call. And these are, and that's what we see throughout the New Testament. Throughout the New Testament, God is dealing with these committed Jews Who have received a a word from all high through Moses' law, but who have learned to relate to God in a very culturally particular way, what we call Jewish particularism. So they've learned to relate to God in this culturally particular way, but now they are are to go to all ethnic groups, all other people groups, from different places, as far as they can reach. And what they are to take to these people is not their culture, not their culture. It's not their Jewish particularism. It's not the law of Moses in that and and circumcision. But it's the teachings of Jesus. It's the good news of of Christ, the Messiah. And this is what the church has been called to do. Every single church, every single church is, is called to take this big gospel to anyone who has breath. No matter No matter their socioeconomic status, no matter their their gender, no matter the color of their skin, we want to be a place that takes this good news to our neighborhoods as well as to the nations to let everyone know that all is welcome to know about this Jesus and the emphasis that we want to put It's on Christ, who he is, and what he has done, and what he has said, and how he empowers us to do what he has said, not on our particular cultures. That's why I'm excited to be at Sojourn, and specifically at Midtown, as we are in a neighborhood in the area of Louisville where the nations are here. And that's why I'm so excited to see what the Lord has done in the last couple years here. As last week, we had people from all nations, all over the world, here for Easter. And I got to talk to someone. I got to talk to one one lady who was in tears, crying, seeing the representation of so many different people, all singing to King Jesus from the depths of their heart and their soul. We're a church that sends people to say, with all your fear and all of your own particularisms, God has sent you to cross those barriers. That's one of the things that Jesus did in most of his ministry. Can we talk? Can we be real? Can we keep it 100? Yep. I'm going to who anyway. (laughs) Like part of what Jesus was teaching his disciples to do was to relate to people who weren't like them, who were the outcast, who were Samaritans, where there was racial tension. And he was tearing down these barriers and these walls as he just loved on people. Wait a minute, what are you doing talking to this woman? She's a woman in the middle of the day like this, one-on-one, Rabbi. What what are you doing talking to this, this, this race, this group that there's tension with? And that's what we're called to do, to break down those barriers. And I believe that that is the leading apologetic for the church today is when people look upon our fellowship and see a fellowship of differences, and they say, yo, What's emphasized here is this risen Messiah and his finished work on a cross. And where the world wants differences to divide, age to divide, here at the church, it's different. They see that as beautiful and they press into that. I want to be a church that's constantly putting down our preferences and picking up our crosses because Jesus put down his preferences. He, though he was fully God, Philippians chapter 2 says he laid did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but he he laid down that and he became a man. So here's our mission. It's to reach people with the gospel, it is to build them up as a church, it is to send them out to the world. Say that with me again. It's to reach people with the gospel. It's to build them up as the church. It's to send them out into the world. I say that again. It's to reach people with the gospel. With the gospel. It's to build them, the build them up as the church. It's to send them out to the world. Send them out to the world. And finally, we want to see the power that God gives. We see the plan, but I'm sure they were overwhelmed, hurting, grieving the loss of one who they worked with, who they thought were their boy. Probably suspicious of everyone else around them now. Like, yo, he betrayed Jesus. He hurt us. As a result of him, we have this negative stigma on us, but we're, we're here. And now Jesus is telling us that we're going to take this message and what he taught us for the last three and, a year, three and a half years to everybody everywhere. And then not only are we going to go to everybody everywhere, but we're going to teach them everything that he said. Everything that he said. <laughs> right? They're overwhelmed, just like you. Like, you're overwhelmed. You should be. I'm overwhelmed, but the more I look to God, the more I become overwhelmed with him and underwhelmed with this because I realize that the way in which this happens is not in my own strength. <laughs> it's not according to my own intellect. It's not according to my own ability, praise God. It's not a Sunday down walk in here overwhelmed by God's goodness towards me because I know I'm a ragamuffin, I'm a misfit, but God... And what keeps us together on mission, creating something beautiful together, is not us, it's him. It's his witness. Look at the text. And remember, I'm with you to the end of the age. All authority is in my hand. Go now to all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all of God, teaching them to do all that I command. And behold, I'm with you always. All those alls that can be overwhelming. He says, the way that you do this it's not in your own strength. The way that you do this is with my witness. It's because I won't leave you. I won't forsake you. I'll walk with you. I'll talk with you. When you fall, I'll be there to pick you up. When you succeed, I'll be there to remind you that you actually can't save anyone. I'm the one who saved them. So I'll be there to humble you. And this is what we want as a church. We don't want to be a church that's about buildings and structures. And we don't want to be a a franchise church. It's like McDonald's. We don't want to get caught up in the allurement of of culture and and, and music and, and, and the ability to To woo people with speech, we want to be a church that is depending upon the Holy Spirit and specifically Jesus Christ, a Middle Eastern Savior who came from eternity's past and entered into time to live the life we could not live and die the death that we could not die and who is on the right hand side of the Father interceding for us every day. We want to be obsessed with him and empowered by him. And when we lose that obsession, when we lose that empowerment, we want the spirit to bring us to our knees and to remind us who it's about and what it's about. Now, here's the thing, Matthew, go home and read it later on, 28, 11 through 16. Anytime God gives a mission, Satan is going to try to cause confusion and discouragement. The next scene after the resurrection is the soldier's who were present at the tomb, being bribed by political leaders and given a large sum of money to spread the story that the disciples came and stole the body of Jesus away. Now, the text is interesting because the Bible says that they were asleep. They say, while we were asleep, the disciples came. It's like, all y'all were asleep? And if y'all were asleep, how y'all know it was the disciples? But this this story spread. is Satan trying to sow seeds of discouragement, seeds of doubt, And so as we are on mission, trying to reach people with the gospel, build them up as a church and send them out to the world, we have a real enemy, a real enemy that is out to steal, kill, and destroy that has a target on Sojourn Midtown, Sojourn New Albany, Sojourn J-Town, and Sojourn East. And it says, I'm going to do everything I can to tear down what God has built. And as a church today, I'm saying we must stand up and recognize that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and rulers and high places, against an enemy that is constantly trying to sow seeds of discourse and to get us off this big, beautiful gospel and this person named Jesus. Jesus Christ, and we must stand up together and say, nope, not here, Satan. Not in my own personal life, not in my relationships with friends, not in my family, not amongst the the people that God has chosen. And though we may have differences on how things play out, we are one body on mission for a risen Savior. And every Sunday, that's why we take communion together. We have a whole loaf here to represent the body of Jesus. On the night when Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, said, this is my body broken for you. In the same way, he took a cup said, this cup is the new covenant of my blood, a shed for you. Christian, as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he returns. Here at Sojourn, we dip the bread in wine or juice, the wine is marked by twine, whatever your conscience permits. And as we do this, we do this as a people, on different parts of our sojourn. We do this as some who have just come to faith in Christ. We do this as some who's been traveling with Jesus for a little time. We do this as some who has been doing it for for 30, 40 years. But we do this all with two things in common if we belong to Jesus. We do it worshiping him and we do it with weakness and imperfections and brokenness. And we do the same movement every week to remind us that what unites us and what keeps us going is the witness of Jesus and the promise that he's coming back again. If you're not a Christian, we ask you not to partake in this, but rather this message that was told today about God becoming man, invading into earth and living a perfect life out of a love for you so that you may believe by faith in his resurrected Jesus. We want you to chew on that, to take that in, and to see his love and to turn to him and to trust in him. If you wanna learn more after service, you can come, come up front, I'll be up front. And I would love to point you to someone or to talk to you about what it means to follow Jesus. Those of you who are at the front half of the room, come to the front, back half of the room, go to the back. Gluten free communion is over to my left, let's pray.